Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends to another episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey. It's Friday. It has been a week of spirituality. I don't know about you, but I needed it. So easy to get caught up in politics, in the world, and pointing fingers that I wanted to kind of ground myself. So I hope you have enjoyed this week. And we're going to end it with an episode on finding humility in modern life. You know, the essence of faith is humility. It is the recognition we need something greater than us. Faith is at its most pure when we're down on our knees, realizing we can't do this on our own, looking in the mirror at our faults that we don't want to do, but we keep doing them, and we understand there is something greater than us that can inform us, that can save us, that can help us. That's where true faith kind of starts. Now, it wasn't long ago that humility was easy to find. 100 years ago, 150 years ago. It wasn't long ago. And I was reading a passage from a historian who specializes in diaries from the 1800s, specifically homesteaders. She collects, she looks for, she finds diaries from people that lived in the 1800s, not in the cities, but the homesteaders, the people that developed land, the farmers, the small towns. Now, as the century progressed, Canning became common, better hygiene. By the late 1800s, homesteading was very similar to what you might see if you visit an Amish community today. The early 1800s, well, that was a different story. I want to read a little bit to you from her um, about what the early 1800s were like for people who were farmers, who went west, who got together in small groups and made small towns, small communities. Here's what she says from the diaries that she has read from first-hand sources. Well, about the only thing you went to the grocery store for was flour, coffee, and sugar. Everything else, the only food you had was what you grew or what you killed. You created your own linen. You cut your own wool. You made clothes from material you had made yourself. You knew how to knit, how to spin, how to weave. Most of the time, your feet were your transportation. You had to dig your own well. You had to do your own blacksmithing. And you would starve in the winter if you had a bad crop year. And then there was hygiene. Well, it didn't really exist. There was usually a pan with water in it that you carried from the well in a bucket and you'd rinse your fingers before meals and you'd wash your face in the morning. Everybody used that same basin of water. And there was one bathtub full of water that everyone used for their Saturday night baths. Was housing like? Well, if you were living like a pioneer, if you were out west, if you were a homesteader, you could expect a drafty cold house Snow on the bed that would blow through the cracks. No glass in the windows. Usually two rooms. 
one room, the bedroom, and the other for everything else. Man in the harness, sharpening, oiling your tools, spinning, weaving, cooking, relaxing in the evening. And then what did you do on Sundays? After that hard week, you spent it all day in church. Now, let me just be the first to say that kind of life, that was no golden time. They were hard. Estimates of the time are that babies born in that homesteading culture, almost half of them didn't make it to adulthood. I mean, can you imagine as a family knowing half of your babies weren't going to make it to adulthood, they were going to die? They were definitely times of humility and hard work. But they're also times of faith, because what did they do every Sunday, all day? They spent it in church. What was probably the one book they might have in their house? It was a Bible, and they read it. They built churches all over. You know, one of my favorite things to do when I'm traveling is I'll be out west in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes I'll just drive around, and you'll see churches just pop up. That's what those people did. They lived, they worked, they farmed, they hunted. They loved their family, and they understood faith. They didn't lose their faith. They grew their faith. They grew it. They built it. Now, as I get older, and you take time to consider other people's lives and where they've been, and you meet people in all sorts of different circumstances like I do, traveling as I do, what I have found is that most people that I see lose their faith do so because of a lack of humility. But it's at a time when they feel anything but selfish and unhumble. You know, life can be going horrible. We can be losing everything and not have humility. And what will happen is people will see hardship. They won't want it to be that way. They'll want to blame somebody. It feeds our ego. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. It also feeds your ego when you make proclamations over our creator or the fact there's not a creator or whatever it is that you believe. And in a world that really isn't that hard compared to the early 1800s, like you're going to eat whether you work or not. You're going to have a roof over your head whether you work hard or not. You're going to be taken care of. You're not going to be sleeping someplace with snow blowing through the windows. If, if you don't cook it, from something you've killed or grown like you had to do in the 1800s, you're still going to find food. You're still going to find a shelter. But there's another way than the way of our ego. You know, it's the humility that led homesteaders to build those churches, to grow their faith, to grow their community. You see, Humility can lead us to our knees. It can lead us to our church. It can lead us to our Bible. Or a lack of humility can lead us to anger and desperation and pointing fingers. And in the darkness of despair, growing our egos in a dangerous way. We, we aren't as busy as we think. We really aren't. I mean, how much of your day is, is spent doing things that are life or death? I mean, in the 1800s, everything you did all day was life or death. It was preparing you to grow the crops in the summer that were going to get you through the winter. It was getting through the winter. 
how much of our day, you know, we, we say how busy we are, but how much of that stuff that we do is life or death? How much of it do we have to do? How much of it is just going along with the stream? How much of it is just bad choices? See, it's our ego that tells us we don't have time for spiritual pursuits. It's a lack of humility. And without it, I don't know if you can grow your faith. Heck, I don't even know if you can honestly say you really have true faith without humility. Now, I don't do this often. You know, I'll read short verses of Scripture, but I want to read a whole chapter to you on this, on humility, on how when life is hard, in many ways it can be a blessing. It can be the thing that turns you towards God. It can be the thing that reminds you what you need, what is important. Reminds you, you should be building churches. You should be building temples. You should be growing the faith in yourself and in your family. It's from Romans 12. Now, think about your life. Think about the choices you make. Think about how hard it is, really, compared to, say, someone that lived in the early 1800s. What do you do on Sundays all day? What do you do at the end of the day? How much of your time is busy time that, is doing things that really have nothing to do with your existence. It's not life or death. It's just busy crap. Think about all that as I read this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Man, I'm telling you, I'm going to stop for a second. The early settlers understood that, didn't they? They work hard all week. Life and death struggles and decisions, and they go to church on Sunday, and I guarantee you they understood that verse, offering their bodies as a living sacrifice. They were there to worship and to praise and to please and to thank God. They weren't there to go, God, what's your problem? And that is true and proper worship, and they understood it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, I bet the homesteaders understood that, didn't they? They left the cities. They made their way to the prairies. They settled land where before they came there was nothing. They grew crops. They saw it come from the ground. They built communities. They built churches. They understood what it was to transform something, just like God had transformed them. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, the homesteaders understood that better than we do today. So many people live alone. So many people live their families. Back then, you needed each other. You depended on each other. The little kids to do chores. Dad to go hunt and mom to mend the clothes. Everybody taking care of each other. They understood that verse. They understood true community. We don't. We don't. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it 
do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. I mean, those are bold statements. I think today, because life in a way is so easy, you know, people look for things to point fingers at. And bold statements, it's hard. People don't want to make people mad. I don't want to make you mad. But those are bold statements. Love must be severe. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Stand up. Stand up. Be brave. Never be lacking in zeal, it goes on. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now here's where it gets hardcore, y'all. Here's where it gets hardcore. Without humility, you won't be able to live this. Without a life focused on the things that are important, centered around your day in church, you can't do this. Here's what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do you invite the poor to your church? Do you go out of your way to talk to and help that homeless person? Because if you don't, you do not know what it means to be a Christian, period. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. You hear that, Democrats? You hear that, Republicans? You hear that, Independents? If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is our call It is not an easy life. It is not one of comfort that takes us away from God, makes us less of who we are, and actually plunges us into despair. It is a life of humility that reminds us how we are created, what we should aim for, how we should treat others, what our lives should be focused around. That's how we find humility in modern life. One might argue it's harder today than it was then. Life is easier. I wouldn't want to live like that. Life is easier, but is it better? Is it more fulfilling? I don't know. I don't know. Something tells me you'd find a lot more Christ-like people in those homesteaders in church all day Sunday than you're going to find in your average neighborhood in modern America. Something tells me on Sunday morning... Here in Kokomo, where I live, you got a lot of people sleeping in, (laughs) but you wouldn't find many homesteaders sleeping in. Have the humility to examine your life. How do you spend your time? What choices do you make? What are you focused on? Do you have the humility to spend a day with God? Do you have the humility to love your enemies? Do you have the humility to get out of your house and help your neighbors? That is the life we were created for. That is the life of a Christian in the Bible. Read it. Own it. Live it. So you have an awesome weekend. 
hope you spend it with friends. Hope you spend it with family. Hope you spend it in church, in prayer, on your knees. Hope you spend it in consideration of the life you were created for. Loving your neighbor, loving God. So until next time, my friends, which will be Monday, aim high, spread your wings, and keep your eyes on the things that matter. Your host, Siloan. It's been fantastic being with you. Make sure you tell others about the podcast. We can't spread the light unless we tell others about it. You know what's coming next. Peace. You've been listening to the Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on the Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green.